1: March has arrived and we're only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. Make sure to head to BetOnline and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest starting March 15. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong. So whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Bulls fans, and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcasting Network. We are brought to you today by Bet Online and Untucker. Thank you to them for sponsoring the show, and thank you to you for joining us on this episode of Bulls HQ. Surprisingly, despite our Chicago Bulls continuing to rack up the L's, we have a lot to discuss today as it's been quite a busy week for our Chicago Bulls with lots of little grabs over the entire week. And here with me today to go over all of this Bulls news, the most gullible man I know, the man who continuously loses his season-long bets to me. He is the one, the only C-Red Fred. Fred, how are you, sir?
0: (laughs) I've been better, brother. I got to tell you, this was a really rough week for me. You know, looking back on this season, uh, I'm sure everyone who's listening this, and if you haven't, I'll, I'll repeat it, has heard my mantra that I started in the off season in the summer, seven pick in 17, seven pick in 18, seven pick in 19, seventh uh, seed in 20, and seven title in 21. Well, unfortunately, on the day I lost my bet to you and uh, Matt Peck that the Bulls would finish 500 or better, ironically, the Bulls are seven and a half games out of the of the play of the seventh seed. Seven games out of the playoffs. Who could have saw that coming?
1: Who uh, I mean, who could have possibly seen that coming? <laughs> just to add further insult into to this Fred, I mean, the Bulls happened to lose today to the 7 seed Brooklyn Nets. So I mean it's just that number seven, it just keeps coming back and it keeps haunting you somehow, some way.
0: Keeps on hitting me right in the groin with a sledgehammer. It's been a rough, <laughs> rough weekend. But Tough you know number what? seven. I'm not gonna get that upset about it. I mean, I know this season's been a disaster. But over the past, over the past ten days, the emergence of Kobe White has really brought me a lot of solace, and I do see a light at the end of the tunnel, or a tunnel at the end of the light. What say you?
1: <laughs> well, I mean it's 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 an inter- it's been it's an interesting week because, like I mentioned from the top, there's been some some stories that have come out that are sort of related to our Bulls. Some some more more than others, but bad old week in the sense of the win loss column. I mean, they had a good win against the Dallas Mavs, winning by two points. Luckily, winning that one, but then. I guess they had the loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves, a bad loss in that case against the Pacers. The Bulls didn't necessarily show up in that one and then came close against the Brooklyn Nets today, but probably should have won that game. And they should have, I mean, they forced 28 turnovers. They had 28 more shots, but still couldn't win that game. So in that sense, the Bulls are one and three in this week. But to your point, Kobe White continues to be really good. The Bulls also got some players back from injuries, which was nice to see. Wendell returned last week, but we got to see Otto Porter back on the floor for his first game against the Mavs. Lowry came back against the Wolves. So those those guys have been back for two, three, four games now. So Kobe's playing well. Zach Levine, unfortunately, has been out the last week or so. He'll be back next week, though. It's not too serious, but slowly but surely the Bulls are getting their players back, which makes things a lot more interesting. But to your point, Kobe White has been really damn good of the probably the last two weeks, really.
0: Yeah, he's been very impressive. And I've been, you know, I think both, I think you and I both saw kind of eye to eye on him for the, the first half of the season. And, and and I think there were a lot of people surprised he didn't didn't make the All-Star team, uh, the future All-Stars, uh, game and i wasn't and i don't think you were either i thought he was None. pretty poor for mm. a lot of the season he had some really nice moments where he had a few few games and I, I often said that i thought he was either alternative alternatively brilliant or terrible and it was really hard to um you know it was really hard to watch sometimes i thought he was playing pretty poorly for much of december is that your dog in the background what's going on over there have you taken him out yet for a walk?
1: That is my dog in the background. He's <laughs> disappointed in the Bulls' record. Actually, no. He he was barking just to let you know that um he was just you know giving you shit basically for losing the bet. That's what <laughs> he king, was doing.
0: He was he was barking to let you know the king of doggable nation was in the house. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> but um you know back to you know I I think we you and I were simpatico in that you know I thought overall the season was a disappointment. I thought he was shooting extremely poor. Uh, there were a lot of bad games, and then all of a sudden. He you know with those 3 30 games 30 in a row he just looks like a completely different player after the all-star break it's like a it's like a new kid and um it's great to see and when you see a kid who has that kind of work ethic and from everybody I've talked to who or associated with the Bulls he's constantly working he's there longer than anyone else he's there earlier earlier than anyone else that's a great sign for a kid who's only 20 years old and uh to see him kind of make this jump I mean, I've been just absolutely on cloud nine about it. To make it even more exciting, there's starting to be a national buzz about them. Like I listen, I listened to a lot of the Ringer basketball podcasts. I, I was listening to another one today where they were doing a redraft, and the guy said, you know, basically he'd take Kobe Whitehead, a, a Barrett. You know, what, what say you about about that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I was never an RJ Barrett fan at all. But I mean, just to give some perspective on what Kobe's been doing over his last 10 games, 24 points per game, shooting 46% from the field, over 40% from the three-point line, over 90% from the free throw line as well, four and a half assists to 2.1 turnover. So you'll take that any day of the week. But yeah, Kobe, the last 10, 10 games, two weeks, whatever whatever time period you want to call it, He has been shooting the lights out of the ball, so that is one thing, but he's definitely shown signs of improvement as well. So even when the shooting comes back to some normal level, you would still expect him to continue to play much better than what we saw through the first 50-odd games of the season. But yeah, it's an interesting one because I was never an R.J. Barrett fan. I'm, I'm still not super high on R.J. Barrett. Would I prefer... Kobe over RJ probably I mean it's pretty close I mean RJ has that bigger body so there's that one thing where if he does put it together the fact that he is a big a big 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 wing that that maybe points to his favor but I mean Kobe is right now at least exceeding my expectations probably you know probably the the, the previous two to three months he was pretty poor and I, I'm not comparing him to An- Antonio Blakeney at all but if you just look at their rookie numbers from a per 100 possessions basis him and, and rookie Antonio Blakeney were actually quite similar so that's how bad Kobe was at one point during this season as you sort of alluded to before but over the last few weeks he's been damn good so if he can keep this up throughout the remainder of this season it will change my perception of who potentially Kobe White can be on this Bulls team but to your point he is getting that national buzz now.
0: And he's clearly been, if you redraft the top ten, I don't think you can make an argument that he'd be number three right now. R.J. Barrett is, you know, he's, he hasn't shot the ball well. I still see a lot of things out. I've seen a lot this year that I do like. But I, I think Kobe White has passed him up. And, you know, DeAndre Hunter, you know, obviously I, I love the kid. He's had some ups and downs, but he you can't say he's played better than Kobe. Darius Gardland, no way. Jared Culver, no way. You know, Jackson Hayes, give me a break, you know. Uh, Cam Reddish, are you, are you kidding me? So, I mean, if you redo the draft, Kobe White's a top three pick. And that's what, when, when, in, in retrospect, if you look at the month of January, Mark, in, in 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 that month, and in, in, I think there was uh, 16 games in that month. He shot 39% from the field, 33.8% from three. He was and 64% from the line. He was shooting terrible. As soon as the you know clock turned to February, he's been a di- different player. And I think now he's on his way becoming first All NBA rookie class.
1: Yeah, he could, he could potentially make that first team. And look, I was cautious of, to see where this was all going because we all know what happened in February 2019 last year where Larry Markkinen was doing his thing, averaging 26 points, 12 rebounds, but then that quickly fell off. But we Bulls fans, we cling to that February run, not only just for Larry, but just the team in general. So. I'm hesitant to get over the top or go over the top with this whole thing, but we're now into March now. And even if there's games where Kobe White isn't necessarily shooting the ball well, like he did against the Nets, he didn't have his best game against the Nets from a shooting standpoint, 21 points on 21 field goal attempts but he had the 8 assists, zero turnovers against the nets, 6 6 rebounds so he's start slowly starting to find other ways to alter the game beyond his just his shooting and scoring which most certainly wasn't the case during the first few months of the season so that's probably been more the encouraging thing than he's than his scoring at the moment because i mean he's going through a bit of a hot streak where some of these games are just coming out and banging in a million threes and just hitting these tough shots that will sort of waver at some point but if he can show more of his passing chops, which he has been of late, he's not necessarily creating plays um, outside of the pick and roll, which is fine. I mean, he's a 19-year-old kid, but he's still finding his teammates, still setting up scores and doing more of that, which to me is pleasing. So I want to see more of that from Kobe White. And to me, his assist game, his rebounding game was more impressive than what his scoring game has been over the last week to me.
0: No doubt. I mean, it, there's improvements in every facet of his game. Have you finally come around on the fact that this kid should be starting?
1: I think he should be starting when Zach Levine is definitely not playing. Uh, I, I most certainly agree with that. I think it's stupid that Kobe White is coming off the bench when Zach Levine is not playing because my whole reasoning for having Kobe on the bench was there was too much crossover between who Levine was as a player and who Kobe White is as a player, but- when you remove one of them, and in this case, Zach Levine, given he's been out with that quad injury for the last couple of games, there is no real reason to be benching Kobe at this point. I understand it more, and I still am fine with him coming off the bench when Zach is back on the team. But right now, with Zach out injured, I mean, it's stupid.
0: Well, that's exactly the wrong take. <laughs> uh, you need to have Kobe White playing with Zach Levine as much as possible to figure out if these guys can play together. In fact, we're, we're not
1: redoing this argument, are we?
0: No, no, but I just got to say this. We need to find out if this core four can play together. They have to play. They have hardly played together. I want Laurie and Zach Levine, Wendell Carter Jr., and Kobe Wade on the floor together as much as possible for the rest of the season. With every time that they're not on the floor together, we lose the, we, we question, can these guys grow into a contender? What What can they be? It makes absolutely no sense for me why you would not want to play those two together. Please clarify your position. For those that continue to wonder, what's wrong with you?
1: Well, like I said last week when we were arguing this point, I am fine with the way it's structured because at the moment, the way the the rotations are structured, Kobe White is still playing a lot of minutes with these players and more so in closing halves than starting halves. So to me, it's not a big deal. He's still getting his minutes. He's still getting his opportunity. He's still getting plenty of time with the core four, so to speak. So to me, it's it's a non-issue. So that's that was my point last week. It's, it remains my point this week. In games where Zach Levine is not playing, then uh, then Kobe White should definitely be starting. Uh, I'd certainly agree with you at that point, but I- I'm not necessarily moving on my previous point. Okay.
0: I guess we'll just have to move on here because I can tell there's people <laughs> listening to this that are pulling out their hair wondering why you still are hanging on this, but that's fine. Not only that, I want Otto Porter Jr. starting. It makes absolutely no sense to me why he's coming off the bench, why he continues to keep him coming off the bench. Otto Porter Jr. is aides in the development of the core four. He makes those players better. He builds their confidence. He does the things that help for them to succeed. When they succeed, they they build confidence and to become better. Why are why is he not starting? Suddenly he's coming off the bench. Does this make any sense to you, Mark?
1: It does, and more importantly, it makes sense to Otto Porter, who after the Brooklyn game said he's happy with the role at the moment and he slowly wants to build up to becoming into that starting role. So, to me, it makes sense. Uh, we we can talk about the returning players specifically, Otto and Lowry now, because we, we've given enough praise to Kobe at this point, but. I don't know what, what what have you made of his return? He had that his first game back. He came back, scored eighteen points against the Mavs. Instantly provided some offense off the bench. His next couple of games weren't so great, but he was pretty good coming off the bench. Twenty three points against the Nets, if I am not mistaken. I've liked the way he's come off the bench. Thad has come off the bench. Kobe have come off the bench. Those guys as a unit are really providing a lot of scoring for the Bulls as a second unit, and it's just nicely balancing everything out. So I think at some point. Otto will be back into the starting lineup. He is on a minutes restriction, and he himself is fine with coming off the bench at the moment and has agreed to it as part of the plan. So I'm not mad about it.
0: Well, I've been frustrated with Otto. Uh, again, it's the same thing we saw the first couple games, the, the, the previous you know the nine games that he started the season. He had some incredible uh, great shooting nights. He was 7-11, 7-for-11 in his first game in a victory over Dallas. And then the next night when we played Minnesota, he goes uh, one of eight. Um, just a horrible night, over 3 from three, and the the next game after that uh, against Indiana, I did not think he played good that game. He was 4-9 from the field, 0-1 from three, uh, was again on the plus-minus side. He was negative. I know he played well today against New Jersey, but that's far too much of what I saw earlier in the season where he would played one fantastic game, a game against the Detroit Pistons comes to mind, and then he'd have just a horrific game. Uh, You know the next one. So a lot of inconsistency from Otto. Not what I expected. I I, I think he's a pro. I really like his game. I need to see more consistency from him. I guess it's to be expected to some extent when you come back from such a long layoff, but it doesn't make sense to me. And I I can guarantee you if you sit him down over dinner, Otto Porter Jr. is going to be like, I want to be starting as soon as possible. I don't understand this line of thinking. I don't see uh, why it's good, why you should be starting. Even Denzel Valentine, who I like, I think the Bulls are better off with Denzel coming off the bench. It's just bizarre bizarro world to me, but that's what you expect when Jim Boylan's the head coach.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting point. I'm, I'm not going to say you're wrong because I, I, I certainly understand why you would say that. And uh, Otto has definitely come back, and he's definitely come back shooting. I mean, he's getting up those shots. He's making up for lost time, and dare I say it, is he trying to maybe play himself into a new deal possibly who knows i guess we'll find that out in a few months time whether he's trying to do this just to jack up some of his um well you know his future price potentially in terms of earning a new contract but he has not been shy in terms of shooting the shot but i'm not surprised that he looks inconsistent lot look, to your point he's missed a lot of time but he probably doesn't look in game shape either i'm not going to call him overweight or fat or anything like that cuz he certainly isn't but uh he's not in his best auto-porter shape if you compare what he looks like now versus where what he looked like even at the start of season or even last season. He- he's not looking uh at, at his normal toned self he's a little doughy at this point so not in prime fitness at the moment not again not to be ex- uh not to be expected given the injury that he did sustain but someone who did come back straight into the starting lineup is larry marken and he returned against the the minnesota timberwolves he looked okay in that game 13 points in 21 minutes 6 of 10 shooting very good game against the Wolves, but then has struggled since only three points against the Indiana Pacers, one of 10 shooting in that game. And then against the Nets today, picked up the offense a little bit today, 16 points on eight eight field goal attempts, four or five from the three-point line, but continues to get lost in the offense, continues just to take these jump shots. And he threw some shade earlier at well, he, this is the way I've interpreted it at least, he threw some shade at Jim Boylan earlier in the week in terms of saying over the final 10, 20 games, he just wants to be aggressive and wants to prove that he can do multiple things and isn't just a spot-up shooter. So that's Lowry's words, not mine. What do you make of his comments in terms of how he's being used? Do you, do you think it's justifiable? All that sort of stuff. And and what have you made of Lowry's return over his first three games back?
0: Well, I'm beyond frustrated with Larry Markin. And, I understand his frustration. I don't think he's been put in a position to succeed this year, but uh, for him to say that he wants to show us that he can be uh, beyond a just a you know a st- spot up shooter, I'd be happy just to see him become a catch and shoot player. He's been horrific at it. That Indiana game was a complete disgrace. One of 10, 0 for 5 from 3. I mean, to me, it begins and ends with his three point shooting. Like today against New Jersey, 4 or 5 from 3. Everything good that Larry Markinen does starts with the ability to hit the 3. And when he's not hitting the 3, he is not a good player. It's just it's just a fact. I know the first game of the year, uh, you know he had he had a pretty good game without hitting the three. But overall, over the course of a season, all the value that Larry Marketing brings is bringing the four, the opposition's four, away from the rim, and then he can either attack or help or help other players succeed by pulling that four out. If he's not hitting that four, he's not good enough of a of an interior player or a not even close as a post player to be a dominant player in his NBA. To me, Laurie Markkinen needs to spend the summer with a shooting coach of a elite repute. Uh, either it, it needs to be, you know, I don't know if Dirk Nowitzki's shooting coach. You can pull him out of out of, out of the wax, uh, out of the mothballs or whatever. Find somebody to spend time with him and get him up to that 38, 39, 40% level from three. Because what I've seen this year is not cutting it. I understand Boylan's an incompetent doofus. But some of this is on Larry Markkinen and his in- inability to consistently hit threes when he's wide open. I find extremely frustrating, and he's not good enough of a defensive player to be on the plus side when he's shooting poorly.
1: Yeah, look, I 100% agree with you, and and to me that that uh that quote that I read off before from Larry Markkinen it really bothered me because, I mean. Prove that you can at least be a spot-up shooter before you can prove that you're anything more. I mean, he hasn't even proven that at this point. We're in year three at this point. We all expected Larry to be better than an average jump shooter, which he hasn't been. I mean, 36% through his first two seasons with the Bulls hasn't been much better this season. I wanted to see better shooting from Larry at least 38, 39, 40% this season which seemed attainable given the expectations we had of as him as a shooter coming into the draft. I mean, we expected Larry if nothing else to be an H, an ace shooter, to be a, a Davis Bertans type player, but he's not even that. So, Larry, I don't want to hear about you saying you want to you, you know, you need different looking shots. You, you're not necessarily a spot-up shooter, you're more than a spot-up shooter. Show me that you can be that at least before we even think about think thinking about you know getting you on the move, getting you in the post, getting you in the mid-range, all that sort of stuff. If you want to be that player, the system isn't necessarily stopping you from being that player. And I I say that because against the Nets, I understand that the Bulls want Larry Market at the three-point line because to your point, Fred, he needs to develop that shot and that will be his biggest weapon in the NBA. And it's just so important for him, but also the rest of the team. But he's also not doing anything to justify his position anywhere else on the court. He doesn't move on the court. Now we can say or blame that all on Boylan, and I know a lot of fans will fans will do that because Boylan is Boy who Boylan is, and no one really likes Jim Boylan. And I most certainly agree with that. But to your point, Larry needs to own some of this. He's been too passive in himself, and before even the season even started. There was a lot of talk about Larry being or he should be the number one option on this offense and that Zach Levine should give over that number one mantle to Larry Markkinen and that would be a better hierarchy for our Chicago Bulls. But like I had been say, saying all offseason, it's up to Larry to take that mantle from Zach Levine and until he does, no one should be handing anything to Larry Markkinen and he continues to be passive and that really annoys me. And I, I just Another thing that annoys me is the fact that he has enough goodwill earned with the fan base for whatever reason that too many people let him get away with it and blame it all on Boylan when I think a lot of it is on Larry on Larry Mark and if not most of it
0: I agree 100% let's look at it just look at the numbers he's ninth on the team in three-point shooting he's shooting 33.7% with over 300 attempts like I know some people will counter well your your hero Denzel Valentine's only a little bit above him at 33.9 yeah Denzel's got a hundred In, uh, let's see, 127 attempts. If Denzel's at 300 attempts and still shooting the piss-ass percentage of 33.9 or 33.7, I will concur. But that's inexcusable. For 300 attempts is more than enough to get that percentage over 35%. Again, that's terrible. That's terrible. That's not good. What are the good percentages in the NBA? 38% or higher is very good. 36% is good. 34% is average at best. 32 is fair and 30 sucks. Larry's flirting with barely average to to below average. So, come on. We expect better from him and I think we're both us uh, and Potico on this issue. Yeah,
1: 100%. Look, even he- in the, in the games where he hasn't got his offense going, I just want him to see something, want to see him do something else. And against the Nets in 26 minutes, he only had two rebounds. I don't know how that is possible for a seven footer. I understand Jim Boylan's scheme has his players rotating all over the court and Lowry's playing more on the perimeter now than he has been in the previous seasons. But to have, to have only two rebounds against the Nets and has an, Look, I know Wendell Carter only had three himself today, but Wendell has been a double-double machine for the Bulls this year, so I'm willing to give him the pass, whereas Lowry's pretty much been averaging five or six rebounds a game this season. So if your offense isn't going, show me what else you can do. And I know a lot of people like to complain about Lowry not necessarily getting enough shots and the fact that Thad Young, Otto Porter, Kobe White, even Sadaransky, these guys have more field goal attempts than Lowry on occasions, but you know what? Those players are trying to actively move and do something to actually get up some of these shots. Th- Thad Young gets 14 shots because he hits the offensive glass. He does a lot of things where he's he- he's trying to get some additional attempts. He's he's getting some of his, his offense from the three-point line. He's getting some of his offense from the post. He's moving around and doing things. There's nothing stopping Larry Marken from being more active on the offensive end than Larry Marken and I'm sick of hearing otherwise.
0: Some, somebody needs to speak to him immediately this summer and tell him, Larry, you got to be more selfish. You got to be more about me. I need my shots, be more forceful with the other players. It's against his nature, but for the sake of his career, he needs to do this. And he, and he does need to work on his shot. I think we're both in agreement in, on this and uh you're right though. There is so many excuses for Larry marketing, and and, and you and I, I I would not at all declare Larry Bashers. I've been a huge fan. I'm the guy who was saying last summer I thought he had top 10 talent eventually. Um but now I'm way off that ship. That ship sailed in fact. I don't see how you could say he's got the best future out of the core four now. To me, he's the distant fourth out of the other four. Don't you concur?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is most certainly an interesting point. I want to expand on that. But before we do, let's take a break to tell the listeners about this week's sponsor. Ever wonder why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy? That's because they're never meant to be worn that way. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, their shirts are the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, Untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Don't just take my word for it. Try Untucked for yourself. Visit Untucked.com and use promo code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. They even offer free shipping and returns to all orders in the U.S. That's untuckit.com and promo code BlueWire for twenty percent off your first order. All right, back to the show now, Fred. You raised an interesting point about where, or based on this season at least, where our projections of the core four, if we want to refer to them that, where we potentially see these guys going in the future and. You, we were talking about Larry Markkinen and the fact that maybe his career arc has sort of flattened off here or even taken a down, a downturn or a down curve, however you want to say it. But it's an interesting point, And I think it's fair to wonder where the hell Larry Markkinen's career goes to, from this point. I mean, this is year three from he, we're going into year four effectively soon for the Bulls. I mean, this season, they're obviously not making the playoffs. So, can he get some momentum running into you 4 where maybe some of our perceptions start to change? But we're seeing Kobe White take a leap over the last few weeks. Obviously, Zach Levine still operating in that same system that many are saying that, you know, it makes it tough for Larry Mark, and he's had a career year. I think Wendell Carter, whilst he hasn't met my expectations for this season, I was expecting a little more. I think he has shown some growth. So, yeah, it's interesting where we put these four guys going forward, you know, in what order next year.
0: Well, I think... uh it's pretty close with Wendell and Larry. I've been pretty disappointed with Wendell since he's come back from the injury. Uh, I think he's played pretty off on the offensive end, but mm-hmm. I, I do feel he's more a victim of you, of how he's being used. Like yes. they continue to, they continue to try to play, put him in a position to be a back to the basket, uh, you know, 1989 center when that's not his game. I watched hour upon hour of a uh, videotape of him in college. He's a, Great passer. They don't utilize him that way. They ba- they basically relegated him to setting picks and playing defense. And, you know, occasionally they'll throw the ball to him in the post, which isn't his game. And, you know, he hasn't shot the ball well. I agree. I think they're trying to get him more shots. But he's not utilized. If It's pretty egregious for Larry to be complaining about, I don't want to be relegated to shot. Well, you should have relegated to something other than a pick center like Wendell. So if out of the two, Wendell Carter has far a bigger argument than Larry Markkinen. Uh, that said, at least Wendell Carter is elite in something. Like, to me, he's an elite interior defender. He is a, I think he's going to be one of the better rim defenders in the league for years to come. You see something that he does exceptionally well, and the team is clearly better when he's on the court defensively. What does Larry Markkinen do to help us make, make us significantly better this year? You know, not in the past, but this year. What has he done where I felt like, wow, man, he's he, there's, there's something special here. I can't tell you how many games I've watched where Wendell Carter's had a shot block or done something on the defensive end that I'm just like, man, this kid is going to be something when he gets his act together. They just got to determine, though, what is he going to be? When I saw him in camp, he was clearly 270. He looked massive, Mark. I mean – it was clear he was a massive, you know, like a Hulk figure. Not fat, but way too muscle-bound. Um, I didn't think he needed to be that muscle-bound in the NBA today. I think it's hurt his uh, agility, his speed, and I think it's hurt him a little bit. Um, obviously, it hurt him because he's, he spent six weeks out with a ankle injury that was partly caused by the fact that he weighs 270. I think he needs to lose weight, become a little quicker, and try to develop a little bit more perimeter skills Would say, you.
1: Of all the things you've ever said to me, this is the most I've ever agreed with you on any topic. Ever. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't agree. Time. I couldn't <laughs> agree more, mate. I, I, I seriously could not agree more because on on a number of things you said, Wendell, more so than Larry, is suffering more in this system that Jim Boylan is running than Larry Market. And to your point, the very first shot attempt he got when he returned. From six weeks, seven weeks away from basketball, was a post-up attempt where he started running to the middle of the lane and took a lefty, a lefty running hook shot, basically. I mean, that is not the kind of offense that we want to be developing in Wendell Carter. One, because he's not a post player; he's always been a face-up player. So get him some mid-range three. shots, at, you know, around the elbow at least, and then having slowly extend to the three-point line. His three-point shot has been completely absent under Jim Boyle, and that has gone away. At least under Fred Hoiberg, in his first 25 games, he was taking one three a game. That's that has completely disappeared under Boylan. so I I concur 100% that that Wendell Carter, more so than Larry Markman is suffering under Jim Boylan through from an offensive standpoint. And because of that, I'm not surprised that Wendell Carter came out last week in a report from Joe Kelly saying that he wants to play more power forward. Now, I completely disagree with Wendell Carter. His best role in the NBA is at center, but I'm not surprised that he would be saying, I want to be more of a power forward because the power forwards on this roster, they're camping out on the three-point line. They're getting to play that face-up game. They're also not coming up and blitzing pick and rolls to the same level that Wendell Carter is. They get to sort of camp out into the corner a little bit more based on the Bulls defensive scheme at the moment. So Wendell's probably had enough of being a post player. He's probably had enough of just being a rim roller. He's most certainly had enough of being a blitz guy on, on defense where he's sort of coming out to the three-point line, and then he's expected to roll back towards the rim and protect the rim. He's probably had enough of all of that to the point where he wants to play power forward now. And he's said, he's going to speak to with management and coaching about that whole situation, which in itself may be a big story brewing behind the scenes. But oh yeah, like you, like I said before, Fred, I couldn't agree more with anything you've ever said before, but what do, <laughs> what do you make about Wendell wanting to play fa- uh, power forward? Did, did that comment take you by surprise?
0: It, it didn't because I know he wants to do more. Like, and it kept on like when he said that comment, it echoed in my head like what I saw of him at Duke. He was basically doing like a an, on the offensive end more of a a role where he was doing a lot more facilitating and kind of like a point forward is was what was what I would declare him. Whereas um, you know that team was kind of unique. They had a lot of talent on that team at Duke and. He had one thing that just stuck with me was they kept on saying what a good passer he was, and I, I saw that on tape. Like he'd constantly have the ball at the at the high post and make these really nice touch passes, really good passes, putting his teammates in position to score. He's got one point two assists. Larry Markinen has 1.5. I've never seen Larry Markinen have good – he's not a good passer. Wendell is ten times the passer. The reason he's averaging 1.2 assists is because all he does is set picks, and when when, when Zach Levine goes around his pick – there's a good chance Wendell Carter Jr. is not going to see the ball again and he's just not getting the ball in position to succeed with his passing so I understand why you know like power forwards in this league are far more active offensively where I think centers are name the top five centers in the NBA you know you'd have to sit back and think about it for a second like it's not a position of strength in the NBA anymore in fact the Houston Rockets are basically, you know, devalued it to the point they're not even playing a center anymore. So it's, it's, I do understand his point. I do agree with you that I think he should focus on becoming the best center in the league, but I think he was far too heavy this year. I do think he needs to lose, get back to that 249, 250 weight that he was in college, and I think that's more than enough in today's NBA.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. Let, let's keep this going because we are still got a few more topics to go and we've probably only got 10 more minutes left on the podcast. And I want to touch on these ones because look, we're alluding to some Jim and stuff here. And of course it wouldn't be a week within Bulls Nation without some sort of ridiculous topics <laughs> surrounding Jim Boyle at some point. So I don't know where to begin, but let's let maybe let's start here, Fred, with, uh, Casey Johnson sort of just slyly reporting in one of his mailbags, actually, it wasn't necessarily a separate news piece, but maybe it should have been its own standalone report. But he let let us all know that Jim Boylan and Doug Collins have reportedly had a falling out to the, to which Jim Boylan publicly denied prior to the Pacers game, that that is true. But KC reported that Joe Cowley followed up and reported something similar. He didn't go as hard as KC, but he's definitely said the relationship has changed at this point. So Jim Boylan falling out potentially with Doug Collins makes it very interesting for next season given that Doug Doug Collins, even though he's an advisor, has been influential. He's sort of been one of the leaders in having Garth Foreman demoted. He was sort of one of the leaders in getting Fred Hoiberg fired. So the fact that Jim Boylan potentially is falling out with Doug Collins may not be good news for Jim Boylan, but we'll wait and see. But what do you make of that? And what do you also make of John Paxson coming out yesterday and basically reiterating that Jim Boylan is doing a good job in continuing to develop our guys and develop our culture, even citing the development of Kobe White as a recent example of Jim Boylan and his staff's development. What do you make of all this Jim Boylan stuff?
0: Well, you know, the PAC's comments are utterly ridiculous. And I, let's take a step back, back to Doug Collins. Um, I do see Doug Collins disagreeing quite a bit with Jim Boylan. I'm not surprised by that report. I believe it. Um, and and if you look at, at everything you just mentioned there, Doug Collins is not a fan of Gar Foreman. Uh, what else did you say there? Doug Collins uh, was not happy with the hiring of J- uh, Fred Hoiberg. Hello, every one of his points are right. Like Doug Collins on a bad day is a thousand times the coach or basketball mind that Jim Boylan will ever be. Doug Collins would if they're arguing this season. I can guarantee you that ninety nine out of the hundred arguments they're having, there's Doug Collins on one side with a with a big bell being rung. He's correct. He's correct. And then on the other side, you have you have Jim Boylan with uh, you know poop falling on his head because he's wrong. <laughs> This is, I'm in bizarro world that this is even an argument. People are jumping on Doug Collins. Doug Collins, just because some of you guys are too young to remember him, doesn't mean he's not an excellent basketball mind. That's exactly what he is. He knows, he's forgot more basketball on a Tuesday than most of us will ever remember. He's... He was an excellent coach everywhere he's gone. He made his team significantly better. He understands basketball. And, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that they're they're arguing because Doug Collins is smart enough to realize what a complete doofus his head coach is. I went back and watched recently the 2009 playoffs with Vinnie Del Negro and Chicago Bulls versus Boston Celtics. We all remember that classic seven-game series. The Bulls won the first game. In the second game, the Bulls lost. With despite 42 points from Ben Gordon, the reason they lost that game is because Vinnie Del Negro uh, consistently proved. Throughout the season, he was in, he was uh, just like Jim, incapable of my, of uh, managing his timeouts. So the Bulls actually finished that game, actually finished the game with Ben Gordon on the bench, and uh, they they were unable to go full court because Vinny had used all his stupid timeouts. That moron was a horrific head coach, and Jim falls right in his in his in his uh, footsteps. But guess who was announced in that game? Yes, one Doug Collins. And Doug Collins criticized Vinny for his use of timeouts at the end of that game. And he stated many times, you always need to have a timeout for the last 10 seconds. And so I'm sure that was probably one of the many things they've argued on. But in this bizarre world of Bulls fans, let's all please just calm down and realize Doug Collins is probably in the right ear.
1: What say you? I, I agree with you. I think Doug Collins is probably right in identifying that Jim Boylan is most definitely a dumber so that i agree with you but the fact that doug collins is an advisor someone that's meant to be in the background and is having this level of influence makes me uneasy because a lot of people are saying including you fred that if john paxton were to go in the background and have a similar role as doug collins someone who's just meant to be in the background and doesn't necessarily have final say well we've, we just listed off the fact that collins has had his hand in the gas stuff on, on the Hoyberg stuff he's obviously calling out boylan now maybe internally if a similar role is to be for PAX, and that is concerning to me.
0: Um, So I, I understand your viewpoint. Like, hey, if PAX gets promoted a la Kenny, you know, Kenny Williams did for the White Sox and we bring in a new decision maker and John's got his fingerprints all over the new decisions and is constantly badgering him and criticizing the new decision maker, that's not good. I just don't see John being like that. I think if he if 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 Jerry Reinsdorf and Michael Reinsdorf say, "Listen, he's going to be decision maker. We want your input, but if the final decision rests with him, I don't see him being, uh, being like that. Just like you know, constantly involved in in causing problems, and causing issues. Overall, John Paxson, I think, has made the vast majority of decisions. He's made have been good ones. This one, I've lost, you know, it's fireball offense, as I've said before. Putting your faith in cons- consistently, coming out publicly in favor of Jim Boylan is bizarre to me. It's 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 weird. I don't understand it. But, um, you know, I think a lot of the hard-ass tendencies, unfortunately, that's something that, you know, for whatever reason, Jim has, uh, um, I mean, John has, uh, you know, admired. Um, it, I find him nauseating and stupid.
1: Yes, I 100% agree. And for whatever reason, against the Timberwolves, Jim Bullen decided to play his, uh, his hard ass card where he sort of went up, went out the team, essentially called the team soft. He didn't say the word soft, but he said they went tough enough, which is essentially saying the same thing. And was on the back ridiculous? of that, it yeah. was completely ridiculous considering he was mentioning the Bulls were beat on the offensive glass and the Wolves only had 10 offensive rebounds, which is nowhere near anywhere near or close to one of the worst performances the Bulls have had in terms of giving up offensive rebounds or not being tough or whatever adjective he wants to put on the whole thing. So that was ridiculous. But John Paxson continues to endorse and support Jim Boylan, which is just completely odd. So i ask you, Fred, will you say the words now, fire guard <laughs> Pax? Will you say it? You said fire a will offense, but will you say it?
0: I, I, I'll i say I think change is needed. <laughs> i <laughs> And I'll continue just to say, say that. It. I'm not gonna just go along with the crowd, Mark. But you would I'm agree with one this, of those so people just, just say it. I'm not one of those people. I'm not even sure like see I I don't have an issue with i if, if Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry Reinsdorf want to promote a legend like John Paxson to a position to glorified uh oh, Did you ever see Seinfeld? Are you yeah, a Seinfeld fan? Do you yes. remember when the mailman, the mail guy who was like from Vietnam, the Vietnam war guy, or I don't know. Do you remember when Elaine promoted the mail guy who was kind of strange all the way to president? He didn't really <laughs> I don't remember friend. this episode, but I'll take your <laughs> word for it. It's kind of like that to me. Like it, it, when all is said and done, does this guy have any decision making? Like, I, I don't, I don't feel like I want. Packs necessarily be fired. I just want a new decision maker. And I do agree with people when they say there should be new decisions because uh, this is not working. The last three years have been a disaster. How about Sato? We didn't talk about him at all. What well, what, what what a signing. <laughs> oh, brilliant. he's the best. You know that bum is shooting 11% in the last seven games? We're 2-14 and 14 since
1: Dunn went down. Yeah, he's great. Don't try and t- change the topic on me. Can I, <laughs> can I at least get you to say this? If you yeah. won't say fire uh, Gar Packs, can I at least get you to say reassign, reassign yeah. Gar Packs?
0: I'm absolutely for reassign Gar
1: Packs. All right, we're making progress. Why don't you, get, why
0: don't you get the uh, billboard? The billboard builders with that one. See if they're willing to, you know, collect some change. <laughs>
1: Matt, well, we'll. I'll see what I can do. We'll see. We'll see. If we can uh, get that one up for you at least. But I'm going to talk the great Kenny Atkinson. Is that the next topic? What's the next I, topic? I definitely want to f- talk about Kenny Atkinson because it relates to the whole jim and stuff. And then I want to close with the Clippers having some interest in Chris Dunn. So they're the last things I want to talk about. But let's talk about the fact that the the Brooklyn Nets, the Bull the team, the Bulls faced today. They mutually parted ways with their head coach Kenny Atkinson. Essentially, fired him. They both agreed that. You know, he wasn't going to be the coach going forward. He loses his job despite having his team in the playoffs, despite losing Kevin Durant for all of the season, barely having Kyrie Irving. He loses his job whilst Jim Boylan remains employed as an NBA head coach, despite his team being well under 500, 20 games under 500, in fact, declaring playoffs and being nowhere close to it. So, Fred... I know we were going back and forward on this one on Twitter. I think your takes around this whole situation are completely ridiculous, but maybe you can convince me otherwise and explain your point a little bit more on the podcast. So, how about it? Tell me why Kenny Atkinson would be a bad hire for the Bulls.
0: Um, Well, simply put, Kenny Atkinson – let's take a step back. Why do you love Kenny Atkinson? In fact, let me explain why you love him. And why do so many fans love Kenny Well, Heckett's why are you it? asking
1: me if you're just going to explain well, for I'll ex- me?
0: <laughs> I'll explain. I'll explain. I'll, I'll explain the real reason. Whatever reason you give is wrong. You see everybody who's <laughs> listening to this, I want you to remember this for the rest of your lives because this is very important anytime you hear any information from any news source. When you hear Zach Lowe or Kevin O'Connor on their podcast say, quote-unquote, you know, I was texting with a GM the other day or, you know, some other front office figure, end quote, that's a GM that he or she has a good relationship with. And these writers are reluctant to criticize those organizations. I saw that with Ryan McDonough, whose job performance by any objective observer should only be described as one of the worst in NBA history. But you saw Kevin O'Connor consistently defend Ryan and his moronic choices. Dragon Bender at five, Josh Jackson, uh, I think he was at four, or Alex Len, who had just... These are three of the worst top five picks in the last decade, yet O'Connor always had an excuse. Why? Why? They were buddies. They were buddies in Boston, and McDonough was consistently feeding him info. Uh, The the info that made McDonough look in the best possible light. It's always the owner's fault, and O'Connor always was there to help out with his excuse. These are the same writers that love Sean Marks at the New Jersey Nets, and his, his little pet here, Kenny Atkinson. This is the same situation. So when, when let's take another step back. When it comes to the Bulls, the only two guys I read religiously are Casey Johnson and Darnell Mayberry because I believe they're giving me the news as straight as possible. It, it, of course, they're going to have their own beliefs about the team. I take those. I, 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 I either say, yes, you're right or you're wrong, but I don't let it influence me. Um, and then if you read Joe Colley, which I don't read anymore because his lips have been, you know, planted firmly on the rear end of Tibbs and now Boylan for the last, you know, 10 years. Why would I want to read that? Because he is a biased hack. So that said, I'm trying to paint a picture here of why everybody loves Kenny Atkinson. because so if Are you, you calling out, me a
1: biased tech? I'm not saying. saying
0: you're a biased tech. I'm saying that <laughs> you're a victim, Mark. You're right. a victim of the writers who love Sean Marks. And everybody loves – all the national writers love Sean Marks besides Bill Simmons. Why? Because Sean Cause he does good gives things. them information. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, hold on. Uh, he's had one great achievement, and that was signing Irving and Durant. If you look objectively – What has he done? Kenny Atkinson, lifetime record of 118 and 190. That's a 390 winning percentage. Please stop suggesting him as a candidate for the Bulls because we can do better than Kenny Atkinson. I'm telling you we can do better than Kenny Atkinson. And everybody's talking about the culture. He had 42 wins last year. Fred Hoiberg did that, Mark. Why am I supposed to sit here in awe of the job Kenny Atkinson did? You say he had Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's a top fifteen player. He had him for twenty games, a third of the season. Who else? How many? As, as bad as Jim Boylan is, what top fifteen player did? Do you think Jim would have been a little bit better if he had a top fifteen player for a third of the season? I'd hope so. Like what? Give me your argument why Kenny Atkinson is better than let's say Mark Jackson.
1: Well. I mean, just bringing up Mark J- Jackson's name is is infuriating to me. It just takes 10 seconds to learn or Google why Mark Jackson is a terrible head coach. Why is it potentially a questionable person? I don't know him, so I won't go full at hard on that. But he is a, a strange individual who I definitely do not want anywhere near this franchise. But in terms of Kenny Atkinson, just referring to his win-loss record is completely misguided. given the fact that the Brooklyn Nets had vit- virtually zero picks, actual actual good picks coming into his regime, but yet he was able to turn players who were perceived as cast-offs or low, low, uh, low-end first-round picks into actual good, credible NBA players to the point where they built up a team from nothing with no draft picks into a good playoff contender when they won 42 games last season. Now, everything completely changed this season given that they brought in Durant, given that they brought Kyrie Irving. And we saw last season with the Celtics that, Irving himself, despite how talented he is, isn't an easy individual to integrate into your team, into your offense, they were into play, your whole structure. They were a very good team
0: last year. Kyrie they Irving's were, been a winner for the last seven years until he got this year.
1: With, they were no worse nights. without Kyrie Irving. That is that is most certainly the truth. So what Kenny Atkinson has done a fantastic job as he's developed players. Spencer Dinwiddie has turned into a very very good NBA player. Joe Harris basically was out of the league. The Nets picked him up and he's turned into a three-point sniper. Karis Levert, a late first-round pick, has become a very, very good NBA player. Jarrett Allen, again, a late first-round pick, is a starting-caliber NBA player. The list goes on. They've developed a lot of good players. D'Angelo Russell last season, I mean, he turned him into an all-star after being cast away from the Lakers. So there's a lot of players that have developed into good players under Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks. And the Bulls right now, need someone that can come in and develop these players so who better than someone like Kenny Atkinson who has a track record that's why it makes sense referring to the win-loss record is misguided and intellectually dishonest dishonest Fred
0: uh, see this is where we dif- we disagree vociferously um <laughs> Zach Levine's two best years in the NBA by far have been this season and last uh, how much credit are you going to give to Jim Boylan for his development Zero. How about zero? Yeah. Well, <laughs> as soon as you get me a quote from Spencer Dinwiddie, as he's the, uh, you know, Kenny Atkinson's a big reason is where I am today. I'd be happy to jump on board with you. Instead, all I read how um, Kyrie Irving checked out on him. Uh, and and And... I, I haven't read one quote from a player, uh, Joe Harris, Chris LeVert, all these guys that he allegedly took out of the uh, you know out of the earth like they were dead or buried that they were G leaguers and and Kenny de- developed them like a mold of clay. Oh what a what a what a hero Kenny! Thanks for developing. Give me a break, Mark. Give me a break. I'm telling you right now, Fred Hoiberg, the best two years that Jimmy Butler ever had in terms of development were under Fred Hoiberg. How much development credit does does he? Deserve? Zero. S- same with Kenny. As soon as I read something that Kenny was the big developer, I'll agree with you. The fact is his record sucked. He didn't win any playoff games. Why? I, why? This whole we're all brainwashed. Sandy the Nits won a playoff great. game last season. You well, know, they won one playoff game. Excuse me. All yeah. right, <laughs> here we go. The Tibbs The Tims of Minnesota refrain. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you right now. I would. I can think of about fifty people that I prefer. And my number one choice right now, and I just I couldn't believe it that uh, somebody else, I heard this on a podcast, unfortunately, but this guy's been in my mind for years. Jay Wright. That's who I want. Jay Wright. I want to, to throw him trillions of dollars to coach this team. I think he understands what it takes to be a great coach. I would love that guy to be on on the side. I tell you what. That guy speaking post game would be enjoyable as opposed to this doofus that we have currently now. Do you know Jay Wright is?
1: I do know who Jay Wright is. That is an inspired choice. I would like that choice. Obviously, he has his connections to uh, Ryan Archidiakno, if I'm not mistaken. So, oh, he may right. be getting more of a playing time. So, I don't know if that foils your thoughts on that. But he's that not going to a-
0: play. What kind of <laughs> joke is this? You think Jay Wright's going to just go to the Bulls immediately, Ryan A's starting?
1: He's Maybe. Gonna, you never he's know how strange
0: things happen. He's going to leave Jim's house and, and move in with Jay? <laughs> Come on.
1: Maybe. That's his real father. That's the real <laughs> coach's son. But I prefer the name Jay Wright than Mark Jackson. At least he went with that. The, never, just never mention Mark Jackson's name again. He's a complete joke. But I'm fine. If you don't want Kenny Atkinson, I, you, you don't want Kenny Atkinson. Fine. I don't care. I don't care. You, you don't have to necessarily like Kenny Atkinson. I think he's a great coach. He's primed to be someone the Bulls should consider when they should fire and Who knows if they will? I, I doubt they will. But um, it, it would be... I think a good high were if the Bulls were to bring in Kenny Atkinson. who knows if they will. Jay Wright, that would be very nice too, but just never, never, never Mark Jackson. But anyway, Fred. Well, one more question. Did
0: you see right. my poll? My poll, Which no, of the following off. candidates would you That's prefer? That's suggestive,
1: but no, I didn't see it. <laughs> Not that post.
0: You could probably see it from Australia. Uh. <laughs> Which of the following candidates would you prefer to be the next head coach of the Chicago Bulls? Is it? Tibbs and 40 MPGs for Zach. By the way, go back and delete that. I got kids listening to this program. Uh, <laughs> Tibbs and 40 MPGs for Zach. Becky Hammond, Mark Jackson, or Kenny Atkinson?
1: I voted I voted Kenny Atkinson in that poll, uh, and then I would vote Becky Hammond second. Tibbs. I love Tibbs, but it's not time for Tibbs now. He can go elsewhere, and most well, certainly not. It's Mike not Tibbs.
0: It's, Tibian, it, it's Tibbs and 40 MPGs for Zach. Wh-
1: whatever it is. I didn't vote for Tibbs, <laughs> and I, I wouldn't want Tibbs back. So, anyway. Right. It's just, it's disappointing that we have to disagree like this so vociferously, or whatever word you wanted to use, because we did come together on that Wendell piece. I thought we were making some progress, but, um, we yeah, did. it is what it is. But look, Fred, let's quickly close on two things. One, the Clippers showing interest in Chris Dunn in the offseason. Casey Johnson reported that during the week, but also the Clippers signing Joakim Noah. To a 10-day contract, he will be on their roster, and hopefully, he makes their roster heading into the playoffs. Because the Clippers, they are a serious chance at a title, despite losing to the Lakers today. And how good would it be to see Joakim Noah win an NBA title with the Clippers, beating the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James in the Western Conference Finals? That would be pure delicious deliciousness for us Bulls fans. But who knows if that'll happen? If that that'll happen. But it's still nice to see. But quickly, Fred, what do you make about the Clippers potentially showing interest in Chris Dunn? We'll close on this one.
0: I think any smart team who would be in, who would, who's serious about winning a title would understand the value of Chris Dunn, especially if you're in the West and you have, uh, if you're the Clippers and you're playing. A, look at the teams you got to go through, um, all with elite perimeter players. Chris Dunn is a as good as it gets when it comes to stopping elite perimeter players. I think he'd be a great addition if you're playing Houston. You could throw him against Westbrook. You can throw him against Harden. Yeah, uh, just think. Go down the list of teams in the West. Chris Dunn would be an excellent addition, and I can completely understand why a smart, uh, a smart organization like the Clippers would want the services of Chris Dunn. Um, it's a shame that he was hurt because I do feel that a team like the Clippers would have given up significant assets—maybe not significant, but definitely assets worth worth the, you know, worth of interest to the Bulls uh, to get his services.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because it's ultimately going to come down to price with Chris Dunn. If you can retain him on a decent number, then fine. But if he, if he's going to be overpaid by a contender in the eight to nine million range, somewhere like that, to be a backup guard, you know, say goodbye. And I say that because Shaq Harrison has been damn good as well over the last couple of weeks. He's showing that in a similar role, he's not going to replace everything that Chris Dunn does, but if he can replace 60, 70, 80% of what Chris Dunn can do at a lot more or a lot cheaper value and you can use the delta between Chris Dunn's contract and Shaq Harrison's contract to bring in some other player some bench depth then I think I'm for that so it's all going to come down to price with Chris Dunn but it's going to be an interesting point for him during this offseason because there's not many teams that have cap space to outright sign Chris Dunn but there's going to be a lot of teams that have their full mid-level exception which is around that eight to nine million dollar range which I think is probably too expensive for me with Chris Dunn but I know a lot of fans probably disagree with me on that one but it's gonna be interesting to see what the Clippers do. They're they're getting a taste of formable Joakim Noah now, but maybe Chris Dunn will be another formable with the Clippers. I
0: just wanna say really quick, I hope the Clippers win it all. Yep. Um because Kawhi's my favorite player in the NBA uh-huh. today. Uh but most more importantly, Joakim Noah, one of the classiest bulls I've ever met in my life. Got to spend some time with him we gave we shared a hug after two thousand nine shortly after Ben Gordon left. He could tell I was distraught and we talked about how upset I was and I also said, when you stole the ball from uh Paul Pierce and dunked it, it was one of the best moments I've ever had as a Bulls fan. he uh reached out gave me a you know a handshake and then brought me in. We gave a big hug. It was one of the best moments I've ever had so and then uh did I ever tell you that story? Yeah, you did you, okay. you told that story on the podcast. <laughs> okay, I should tell it again some other time. But some then other yeah, time. yeah, it sounds good, man. But uh I, I hope he wins it. Wouldn't that be great? Especially it would be, be it would be
1: beautiful to see. Particularly if they go through LeBron LeBron and take him out in the Western Conference Finals. That would be it would be glorious for us Bulls fans. It would be the biggest win the Bulls have had in uh in quite some time to see Joe Keep Noel, despite being on the Clippers, taking out LeBron, that would be It would be uh it would be sweet. But uh, yeah, let's hope they do it. Let's hope Noah stays around in that ten-day contract and be guaranteed into a season-long deal. And hopefully, he's raising that Larry O'B at the end of uh, at the end of June. That would be nice. But Fred, I appreciate you coming on the podcast as always, sharing your thoughts. Obviously, fans, if you haven't tuned in to the show of the recent weeks, Fred is now part of Bulls HQ full time. He is my co post co host going forward. So, Fred. I'm excited about that going forward because we can get into these spirited debates. Often I am proving you wrong quite often. and just like I did with our season long bet, uh bringing this all the way back around. I'm I'm, I'm I was going to say I'm sad to see you lose, but that's definitely not true. But uh, Fred, I, I appreciate you joining me on this episode of the show. Tell the people where they can follow you online.
0: Uh you can find find me at at CBE Fred or C red Fred just search for me there. I will be banned from Twitter from a month. So uh, I'm going to start publicizing my Instagram. I just got to get that going. I got to figure that thing out. It should take By the time I figure it out, I'll probably be back. My ban will be over, but um, yeah, I'll be gone 30 days. Yeah. When I got to wear the Heinrich Jersey. Well, you have to you have to do
1: it by June 2020. So there's, I've put a hard date on it. So it has to be done before June 2020 before we enter the new season. And you also have to record a YouTube video that lasts one minute in length, where you (laughs) profess your love for Kirk Heinrich to uh, (laughs) basically reading a script that I will be providing at a later date. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And I want to make sure that your ban from Twitter isn't at the time that we release that, just so you can feel the full force of the, uh, the, the emotion and, and all the negativity that hopefully comes your way during that month.
0: Sounds great. Thanks, brother. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, this has been fun doing Bulls HQ with you. I hope it's uh, been received by the audience well uh, and for the, the you know, 10% of your Dog bull Nation that find me endearing.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably closer to five five percent. But I look, I've I've enjoyed it, and that's all that matters. But whilst you're following Fred on Twitter, do so with me too at MK Hoops. Follow the show on Twitter as well. At BullsHQ Pod, send us an email, bullshqpod at gmail.com. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord forum, which Fred finally joined on the weekend, you can too. Send us an email and we'll send you a link to the Discord channel. But that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for tuning in, Bulls fans. We'll be back next week.